Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from 12 by 12. Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Visit 12by12challenge.com membership for more information. I love your book. <laughs> I love your book. There's not going to be any surprises. <laughs> if anything, Neil would probably tell you, I, I certainly am prone to gushing about books a lot. I recognize that in myself. Um, so, so there's that. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 667. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, Jordan Scott and Sydney Smith join me to share I Talk Like a River, a most exceptional picture book by two most exceptional individuals. If you have not yet come to know I Talk Like a River, I can think of no better place to start. So I'll leave you with three thoughts shared with me in this conversation by Jordan and Sydney that I think deserve being heard over and over. Number one, stuttering makes language visible. Number two, the production of speech is a physical act. And number three, the idea of fluency is kind of fictional. Please welcome my guests, Jordan Scott and Sydney Smith, author and illustrator of I Talk Like a River. Uh, my name is uh, Jordan Scott. Uh, I pronouns uh, he, him. Um, I am a, a poet and a, a children's author um, and a dad and an avid uh, a canoeist, cold water swimmer, and a, a mountain biker. Ooh, I love all that background. That is, <laughs> I have all the questions. <laughs> but Sydney, Sydney, why don't I give you a chance to introduce yourself? <laughs> okay, uh, my name's Sydney Smith. My pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, yeah, I've been illustrating picture books for about 12 years. I've I've done about 15 books and five of them are, I'm really, really happy about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I did not see that coming. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm actually really hard on myself. I'm no, I'm my worst critic. So, uh, I've noticed to say, yeah, to say that this book that I've done with, with Jordan is my favorite book. And, it says a lot because mm. uh, it usually it usually takes me a, a while to get some perspective on a book and see um, what it has accomplished because it's always so it's, it, it remains pretty fresh you know the journey and the struggle and the challenges of making a book and I mm-hmm. do that to myself because I feel like creating a book, making a book needs to have a challenge. It needs to be hard and it needs to really, Mm. you know, require, um, it has to be a huge task in order for it to really feel like I've accomplished anything. 
Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm living in Nova Scotia right now, Nova Scotia, Canada. And, um, currently we're, we're experiencing pretty low numbers of, uh, you know, COVID cases. So we're feeling pretty happy with ourselves here. Still being really safe in this area. Um, but I've got two boys, two young boys, uh, and we, and, uh, my wonderful wife and I raised them here in, uh, yeah, in the East Coast. How young are your boys, Sydney? They are so. Um, one is four, and oh. another one is turning two in um, a couple weeks. Oh my goodness! You all have very young boys. That's wonderful. Two, four, yeah. six, eight. That's awesome, actually. And I have yeah. a ten. Yeah. We have all the when even numbers of boys. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> when I first met Jordan, I was about to have a second one. Oh and yeah. Was, you talk <laughs> talk about the warning. Talk about the warning, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. Him, I was telling him all about how I was going to work on this book, our book together, <laughs> you know, while we had a newborn and everything. And Jordan just looked at me and was like, "You're going to have no time." Whatever time, whatever time you think you have, it's done. Yeah, the leap from zero to one is very different from the leap from one to two. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was a trip. It really was, and and a lot of it. A lot of it. You know, I was able to make this book really because of uh, my wife being such a an amazing. supporter of what i do Mm. well without even talking about the book it's already sounding like the things the i don't know the 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 environmental consequences the life consequences that were sort of happening all across the board here really set up for a really special project i'm glad that uh you both came to this story with what you each brought into it and that it turned out what it is because it's it's just an exceptional book and one that um ooh jordan i have a super fun thing to tell you about um this story <laughs> and and sydney you as well but this is just a really neat thing about um so i had seen i talk like a river uh through some instagram posts and things like that we, we, we tend to find out about other people's books by what other people are talking about that's a great way through recommendation but then, before I had even read the book, it must have been your release week, because I, I remember watching when it was coming out, a fifth grade student of mine messaged me, Jordan, over, we're using, um, we have a, a, a tool on our website that students can sort of direct message us with questions or turn in assignments or whatever. And she messaged me and said, have you seen this book yet? It's the most beautiful book I've ever read. Ooh, and I was that's like, wonderful. what is that's this? Really this wonderful. is great. That's, and, that's so great. And that's my, so, that's one. Yeah, that's beautiful. So promptly, I, 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 I fixed the issue of me not having it. My copy arrived that week and I read it and I, I can call her by first name. I immediately messaged Maxine back and said, I have never received such a spot on recommendation from a student to read a book than than (laughs) you maxine so i have a bond an even more special bond with this child jordan because your book and because your work together you and sydney affected this child moved this child as much as it did that was i don't think that's ever happened to me entering into a book that then i i had the opportunity to speak to the author and illustrator behind it because of a child so this is a very humbling uh mm-hmm. moment i'm walking into with you so thank you for mm-hmm. just occupying this space with me and know for certain that that she and that message she sent me right here with me as i talk to you today oh that's beautiful it's really amazing because it's like sorry jordan uh no go ahead go ahead well i just it's just uh, it's so it's i just want to say it's so nice to hear um something that 
I mean, it's kind of, it's through you, but it's, it's from a, a young person. It's so rare that you hear so much, anything from young people as creators, you hear from editors, you hear from reviewers, right. you hear from librarians and teachers, but really, I, I like to think it takes a little while for the, for, for children to get back to you and usually it's like years because it's not until later that they realize mm. how much of an effect a book has had on mm. them oh for mm -hmm. sure I, I would fully begin to expect a middle grade or or uh ya reader having that sort of connection and sort of compulsion to communicate with the author in this case it was a, a very wise and reflective fifth grader mm -hmm. Right. But to have a fifth grader engaging in a picture book and then communicating, there were so many things, so many factors working here all at right. once that caused this to happen. Uh, it, it feels quite special. And I'm, I'm, I, again, I'm glad I get the chance to, to share it with you directly uh, that Maxine thought so much of your book that I then read it after she did and also felt that connection and got to mm. first then share that with her before mm -hmm. I even went and spoke to anyone or read it to a class or whatever, it was a, a really, really special thing. Before we go too much deeper into this, I'm realizing there very easily could be people listening to our conversation that have not yet read I Talk Like a River. Jordan, would you mind sharing a, a, a book talk or just an introduction to this book for those that haven't read it yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, just before I do that, I just wanted to if, if Maxine uh, listens to, uh, to this, I just wanted to thank her for the incredible kindness. Uh, that's really the reason why you, why I uh, write these books. So I uh, thank you, Maxine. Um, I will make sure so, that this message gets to her. That's this great. recording I'm gets to her for sure. Of course I will. <laughs> that's great. But I want to make sure that uh, you hear me say that too. Yeah, the so I I I, I talk like a uh, that river is a uh, is a story that uh, that happened uh, to me uh, as a child uh, between my uh, uh, father and I. Um, I I grew up with a stutter. I still uh, stutter. Um, when I was a child, it was. Uh, I, I, I get much more pronounced and um, some that days at school, I would end up uh, 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 leaving school uh, because of that. And oftentimes my dad would come to, to, to pick me up. And we had this, this really wonderful shared vocabulary about these days where he, he would call them, a, a, a bad speech days and um on these days he would usually take me uh to this river that was close to my ch childhood home in uh british uh, british columbia canada um this little town called uh coquitlam um and we would we would go down to this river and usually just walk around in the bush together um, and spend some time um, just looking at the water. <clears throat> um, and he would allow me in these moments not to, not to talk at all. And I just remember that, that expectation of s silence to be quite a, a, you know, a gift and a, and a balm. Um, and on uh, one particular d d day, he uh, pointed to the uh, water and he, he, he said, uh, you see how that uh, water uh, uh, um, uh, moves. Uh, uh, that's how you speak. So that's that's what the book is about. It's a it's about um, that 
a moment between a, a father and a son and um and 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 the father giving um a ch- ch- child who stutters a you know and 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 guess an ecological com- com- companion um to his uh, to his grief and uh, difficult difficulty and that 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 action uh, really uh, ch- changes the boy's perspective on um, on his disfluency to this, you know, that from from sh- sh- shyness and and you know and and pain. And, and trauma to a more kind of uh, radical acceptance of um, how his how his mouth moves. Ooh, you used my favorite therapy term, radical acceptance. <laughs> that was yes. one that I clung to so hard in therapy. I Me appreciate too. you saying that. I want to say before we go in, we can we can talk some we can talk some therapy. I love therapy. But before I do that, can I just say to you both that I have never read so big a book before than reading I Talk Like a River. And what I mean by that is I love, as a librarian, as a reader, I love exploring the space held within a book for the reader. Mm. But in this book, there, it, I, I can't even quite put my thumb on how to articulate it. But through your poetic text, Jordan, and through your beautiful, expansive landscape, Sydney, you have given so much room in this book and the part that really i think breaks the walls open or whatever the phrase is is that double gatefold when (laughs) we've got i mean i I could say this is my favorite illustration in the book but then i would turn the page and be like no this is my favorite illustration no this one is but sydney the way you paint light reflecting off the water as that boy is just in the water, surrounded by the ripples with the line, my dad says, I talk like a river. And we just sit with it or stand with it or be surrounded by it. I have never felt so much space in a book Mm. before. You two have done just exceptional exceptional work here and i feel like it's such a beautiful gift to our readers that you came at this book at the time when you did jordan it sounds like this was an entire lived story of course but also this line that your dad spoke just just imprinted on you you just lived it for it to come out now and in this way and it, it's just so beautiful. I'm so, so mm. grateful to see that magic at work between the two of you. Not just magic, but just skill and, and lived experience from you both. It's just gorgeous. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. I uh, would love to talk, Sydney, with you for a moment about how you came to this project. Really, I guess, how the, the project came to be. But um, I expect that it was probably similar to other stories and that Jordan probably wrote this manuscript that was probably then sold and Neil Porter bought it and then uh, went seeking out an illustrator of which he's worked with you and you are awesome. So why wouldn't you be a good fit for this project? But something tells me that you both have actually, you and Jordan have actually worked together a little bit more than what is traditional, which tells me that maybe there's a lot more than... Uh, what I expect to to be different about this book. So could you 
could you walk me through what it was like for you to come onto this project? Yeah, well, it was as straightforward as you <laughs> you kind of can guess that it was um, written before I was involved. Yeah. And oh no, well, I don't know, Jordan. Is that true? I think maybe you guys were still kind of polishing it while I was working on it a little bit. Yeah, it was. It was still being uh, polished, but the but it was it was there for the most yeah for the most uh, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was another. There was a different title at one mm. point. I remember yes. we playing around yes. with a different title. But yeah. you received a, a manuscript for you to determine whether or not you wanted to work on the project, or maybe you had to do like sample spreads for yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's like funny that. is I was talking to Neil Porter today, <laughs> and he's the editor for this, and he I admitted to him, which I've never admitted to anyone, is that I didn't fully. It didn't. I didn't fully feel the power of this manuscript. I'm, I was so busy at the time. I, w I had just finished Small in the City, and I was about to have a baby. Yeah. And we were going to move and all of these things. Um, and so the, I, the main... <laughs> this takes the romance out of all of it. But the, what, one, of, one of the real... One of the first things i thought was i cannot i don't have time to write another book i need to work mm. on something that's not mine mm. um i'm sure it's a different bit I of do? bandwidth being used right when you are are well i, I guess i <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm wrong this seems like a very complicated book so i i don't know <laughs> well it's just neil said i here's a book i don't know what you're planning on doing but here's a book i think you'd be great for and i read it and i said okay, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is perfect because it fits within my schedule and I'll, you know, I'll do my best to, to, um, you know, elevate the text to do my illustration thing. And, uh, and then it wasn't until I met Jordan and we sat down, we met in Toronto. He was there getting this fancy poetry award for <laughs> body of work. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and and, um, and then we met at a, at a Starbucks and sat down for like a couple hours just talking about the project and just immediately, immediately, I love, I loved it that I just was like felt an immediate like kinship and we were mm -hmm. on the same wavelength. We knew like I, I started talking about it. He was talking about his experience and it was at that moment that i realized what the book was about mm -hmm. and how power how like intensely powerful and universal it is it's not specific mm -hmm. but it's uh, it but it is at the same time like everybody there's a possibility that everybody can get something from this book mm -hmm. and that um and it's about self-acceptance. It's about radical, radical acceptance, I guess. Um, it's about coming to, you know, how, like forming a truce with yourself, with your own body mm. and your, your mind and, and like all of these things, which everybody, everybody deals with daily. I know I deal with it daily. It's a thing that, mm -hmm. you know, that everyone can relate to. And it was at that moment that I knew that I had to really, you know, I had to really pull out the stops and I wanted mm -hmm. to, I really wanted to, this was a great opportunity for me to work slightly different than the way I'm used to. This is more of an impressionistic kind of mark making. The painting is yeah. different than the way it, it, I used to work before this book. I was working primarily with ink and watercolor and it was just those two things with this book it was i knew that i i had a license to experiment and i've been really like into experimenting with different mediums and and exploring and finding out all of these interesting um <laughs> <laughs> there's a child 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not mine. Not mine. I love it. <laughs> I love also that we all had to pause for a moment to go, is that mine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, so I, I was given, I was given uh, the freedom to experiment and to discover like all of these great ways to represent the in, inner turmoil of this character. And, and so um, I feel like, you know, it was the most cathartic experience for me working on this book as well. I feel like your art is this wonderful thing of feeling constrained or confined inside, in the, or at least in the beginning of the book. Um, yeah. But we are... It's all within the, within the character's mind. That right. was sort of the intention. You, you really... You don't see the faces of anybody. You mostly just see the face of the character. It's a lot of portraits at first and different types of portraits. There's one that's a reflection in a window. There's one that's um, scratched into with all of the crow and the moon and the, and the pine. And then, um, and then you get into the, into the nature and then it opens up. Yeah. That, that feeling too of, of being confined, of being closed in or alone um, and then have it open up the way that you do um, to have the details become clear, uh, mm. as it were, is is something that that is really powerful. That is um, also really intimate. I think that finding that place to to have intimacy between the father and the son just is just is really wonderful in fact the the spread that i mentioned where we have that double gatefold mm. where um we open up and see the child's back and the light reflecting off the water mm-hmm. i should mm-hmm. back up and say that before we even open that up you give us this beautiful close-up portrait of the child there we get to see him in in full effect right and right and really in what feels like a moment of acceptance or of meditation or of quiet or of oneness. We can put on so many different emotions onto that page. And that's the beautiful thing that we do in books is that we look into the souls of the characters and we sometimes see ourselves looking back. But in this case, you literally look into like you open up his head. Like this is almost, yeah. Exactly. Physically, you open up the character and you see inside, and that yeah. that moment in the book, um, it wasn't there for the longest time. Like we didn't have it. Uh, I don't remember how it was. We didn't have the f- the close up of the face. We just had. I think we just had the the boy in without the gatefold. It would have been just the boy in the water. And that's it. And then I was late. It was kind of late in the production of it. I had uh, completed a lot of the illustration. And I met up with Neil for some conference. I think it was in Philadelphia. And we were sitting on a bus ready to be like taken to different um, independent bookstores. And he just said to me, and we had been discussing different ideas. And I had been throwing so many ideas at him. Like it's he was just kind of dizzy with all of these different hmm. things that I was, I was suggesting. I, 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 one of them was like, Oh, why can we only see through the eyes of the character? And then and we realized, Oh, that's just going to be impossible. And uh, another one was the gatefold. And I said, just would just picture it. Like, you know, what if we had this gatefold and we actually physically opened up the character and we saw inside and we have this moment. And he said, do we need it? Which is his answer to a lot of these suggestions. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, well, it's, just, it, it's a good question because it's, it's like, question. is it necessary? Is it necessary? Does it mm-hmm. change? Like, how does it change the book? Is it, does this book need it? And, you know, there's always sort of certain things to consider, per, um, you know, um, with the bottom line and, and, and things like that. But, uh, but he, we, we sat down on this bus and he just said, you know, I can't get that gatefold out of my mind. And I just was like playing it cool. Like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. And I pulled out a piece of paper and started sketching it out right there. I was like, it looked like this. Oh, awesome. We're going to have a face here. And we're going to open yeah. it up. <laughs> oh. it, it... And, 
and then and then after that it took me about 20 paintings to get that yeah that wow boy in the water i i couldn't oh, get it right no. i did it so many times that the last one was the one that was in the book and um it only only happened because i had forgotten to send them a file the final file for that image i sent everything else in that book to them and they said oh you seem to have forgotten the the big one and i said oh really i'll set i'll get it to you tomorrow <laughs> and i went and sat down and painted another one and i was like this is better be the one." Oh, wow that's so cool that's, <laughs> that's really yeah. cool and it was, it was, it, it ended up being the one and I was really happy with it. But I, it was, a, that's what happens with a lot of these images in this book was that I, I ended up doing like five, six, seven different versions of each one. I feel like that just speaks to how much it mattered to you to get it right. I just, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you've got this wonderful, uh, I, I want to share some of Jordan's text. If you don't mind, Jordan, I'd love to read um, some of your text. Um, but Leading into that, one of the other really great um, layout techniques or illustration techniques or a little bit of both, uh, I love the symmetry between uh, the page with the the six small images that reads, I wake up each morning with the sounds of words all around me and the way Mm -hmm. that those there's like white bands that the text is placed on that breaks up the images and we run into that format one more time right before that gatefold open where the words just read bubbling, churning, whirling, and crashing. And the way those two spreads really talk to one another is something that I think is really beautiful. Jordan, you've done, I mean, you you really do flex that poet muscle. I'm going to say, I'm going to name <laughs> this 2018 Latin Writers Trust Poetry Prize that was mentioned. You, you could see the poetry all over this. It's gorgeous the way that not only you're able to use that gift of poetry to communicate this experience or feeling uh, of this character to us, but also the way that you are showing readers we can talk about things this way and look how that might Mm. sound and be evocative you start um i wake up each morning with the sounds of words all around me p for the pine tree outside my bedroom window c for the crow in its branches m for the moon fading in the morning sky i wake up each morning with the sounds of words all around me and I can't say them all. I feel like, as a librarian, if that isn't the greatest book talk I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> but then you do this beautiful thing on the page turn there where you invite readers to contemplate what this sound that you may take for granted might feel like being made by someone else when you say Mm -hmm. the line the pea and pine tree grows roots inside my mouth and tangles my tongue uh i could go on but then i'm going to end up reading your entire book to you which i'm not going to do (laughs) you are welcome to read whatever you would like i am in danger of just being like okay everyone now sit down and let's talk about this page by page um but i i just found so, Jordan, I had, uh, I think that stuttering is, is uh, you would probably also tell me, um, but from my own experience, I think stuttering is much more common than we uh, tend to paint it, but that we also have, as sort of all facets of our society seem to do this, where there's sort of the the quote-unquote normal or accepted or most common, and so everything else that is not um, seems to be squelched or pushed aside or um, marginalized. Um, and I think speech in particular is is no different. And so I had a friend that I remember um, growing up who stuttered. And um, my brother also had a, a, another friend who did. And I remember that they um, stuttered differently and speech mm-hmm. patterns are different for all people. 
totally get mm-hmm. that. Um, to have you share with us through this, not only that, um, that you have an awareness that you are processing how the feeling feels for, for this to be happening when you're getting stuck on the P sound or the C and crow or M and moon, but also to share the experience that there are, there are days that are harder than others or experiences Mm. that are harder than others. I have to say immediately hit me with this pang of, I wonder if I ever made it harder for my friend in any way Hmm. for any reason to talk. And I wonder if there are readers that will also experience that thinking, uh, do I have an experience like the child in this book or have I, have I in any way um, inhabited the same space as a person um, with a stutter or a, a person different from me? And in any way, am I contributing to, uh, making them feel different or making them feel mm-hmm. welcomed or mm-hmm. just sort of the complexity around that. Um, so I want to thank you for just the thought and craft that went into writing this because I can feel that, as you mentioned in the top of the recording, this wasn't, by being specific, it ends up being very universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in doing mm-hmm. that, it allows a lot of people to step into this book and find a connection in this book. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. I mean, <clears throat> um, I mean, what's, what's, what's always in, in creeped me about uh, stuttering is that it, it like, it, it, um, it, it, it makes uh, language visible. It kind of uh, re, reminds us that like the the production of speech is a is a physical act and i think some people who uh perhaps perhaps don't stutter maybe don't realize how how much of your body um is working to produce uh, sounds and uh, when you do stutter that's that's what's really exaggerated uh, you, you feel uh, syllables everywhere from your diaphragm all the way up to your lips right so I think that it that is that's what's also like I hope kind of universal as well right is that we you know is that there we kind of we kind of get uh, back to the body in that way and that we also uh, perhaps understand that uh, uh, in a sense the idea of uh, fluency is kind of kind of fictional right like yeah. I, I i i think that um that even people who don't stutter have um all kinds of different uh, difficulties or their own intimate relationship to talking and perf and having an audience watch them or um what it what it what it feels like to speak and and be received um so i think that uh, that's what's that that, i i think that's what i hope at least is is um is is part of the universality of of uh of the book yeah yeah the feeling i love i I wrote down (laughs) i wrote down you feel syllables everywhere. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful mm-hmm. line. Um, the the idea, though, of being in touch with our whole body working to help us 
literally walk through the world to communicate to one another, to think our ideas and share them, to uh, play, to interact, to hug, all of these different things. We, we, I think we, different, different, in different circumstances, different parts of our body can sort of work on, on automatic. And we don't even think about my mm-hmm. body is doing this thing to help me do this other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, as you're saying too, stuttering really draws attention to the production of, of speech, of language and everything that it takes for us to communicate. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, not that I would ever be as didactic as as saying to a class of children, now let's think about what things are challenging for what things you have to think about to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the notion of drawing into mindfulness and what does it feel like to take that breath or to think that mm-hmm. thought or to make that connection? How does it feel to talk to another human being or express a thought you have a scene that takes place takes place in a classroom um about sharing an idea aloud in class and that is uh quite a big and universal feeling i have to imagine Mm. the feeling absolutely all eyes being on you while you are sharing whatever bit Mm -hmm. of yourself through uh responding to a teacher um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can feel myself here wanting to go on and on. Um, but realizing that I'm, I'm, I'm catching myself in this loop of, of really feeling myself in this book as well. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and the things that, um, the ways that other people made me feel small and the people yes. in my life that helped me feel big, despite of those qualities that I wanted that, that, that at times I wanted to allow to just make me feel small. I want to go back to, for those folks that maybe aren't aware of the term, I want to mention about radical acceptance because it was, it's been such a powerful tool in my life. The way that I share the, the, the idea of radical acceptance with others and the way that my therapist shared it with me was, uh, a, a willingness or forcefulness to, uh, accept against all odds the circumstances you are in. So if you find yourself in uh, a, a challenging situation, maybe as an adult you're in a challenging work situation on a project or with a um, co-worker that's difficult or, or doing a, a bit of study that's hard for you, Radical Acceptance is saying that um, I know my whole body is telling me that I want to flee from this. I'm in that flight mode of fight or flight, uh, but I'm going to accept it against all of um, all all other reasoning, knowing that it is a means of me moving forward. And the most important thing I can do is move forward and not allow this to to uh, cripple my my steps of progression. Um, and so, in this way, we. We see that beautiful moment of of the father um, helping uh, give language for the child's experience uh, and the likeness to a river and and being able to um, I'm gonna read your um, a bit of your note here because your your note you your author's note you you write it so beautifully that. Um, you write, take a moment to listen to the way you talk. How do you sound? What would happen if you concentrated on the feeling of speaking? Where do you feel words in your body? Do you speak without pauses or hesitations? How often do you slip up, forget words, or have difficulty finding them in the first place? Do you sometimes shy away from speaking? Do you sometimes not want to say anything at all? And I'll skip to... Stuttering makes me feel... Actually, no, wait. Do you have the book in front of you, Jordan? 
I don't. Okay, do you, can I, <laughs> may I continue? Otherwise I feel like. Yes, of course. I, Go ahead. I, I suddenly had a, a wash of awkwardness feeling like I'm reading the thing that I should have you be reading. So, no. go ahead. Um, you, you close by saying, I will say now with very rosy cheeks, uh, stuttering makes me feel profoundly connected and profoundly alone. Stuttering is terrifyingly beautiful. Sometimes I want to speak without worrying. Sometimes I want to speak with grace, finesse, and with all those words you can think of for smooth. But that is not me. I talk like a river. <laughs> I am going to cry, Jordan. <laughs> but um, it's just beautiful that you are giving and giving and giving in this book and also drawing in and drawing in and drawing in. And that, Sydney, you picked up on that and you mm-hmm. found the way to have the art do exactly that. You talked about the art elevating the text. You had the mm. art dance with the text. It was beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I I think it was very um, an important moment when I realized that um, the the book, the reader of the book, whether they um, have a similar experience to the character or not. That they need it. It needs to be as much within the mind of the character and within the perspective of the character as possible, because otherwise you just you you have the safety of distance as as a reader. But instead, you need to be inside this character. You need to feel. You need to engage that empathy and 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 suddenly you know um, the mindfulness that is required to to um relate to another human (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's i think that was really what was behind quite a bit of the the illustration was trying to um project the reader into the or the character into the reader or like um or the reader into the character as much as possible as much as possible because otherwise yeah like i said um there it wouldn't be as powerful like jordan's words Mm -hmm. i feel like were so powerful already how what was my role my role was to put that reader into the character as much as i could Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. I um, I feel like we're leaving a lot of space, too, for your readers and the listeners to have questions of their own and to connect themselves in this book, and I'm so excited for that. I want to close by giving you a chance to speak directly to your readers and... Um, and I'll do it this way. Sydney, I'll, I'll ask you, and then Jordan will close with you. <clears throat> Sydney, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Oh. <laughs> I always was find myself um, freezing up in front of a large group of kids uh, at first whenever I do school visits. But um, I think I think that every time I do find myself in front of a group of kids, I always end up talking about um, the power of, of creating and, mm-hmm. and, and art and how beautiful and wonderful it is that, um, that everyone, every young person has a connection with it. And I, and I try to, I try to encourage everyone to keep that connection and and keep that spirit of play just keep mm-hmm. playing and and be be easy on yourself mm. <laughs> just take it easy on yourself yeah. yeah thank you jordan i will see a library full of children tomorrow morning is there a message i can bring to them from you i would say something similar to sydney i would say to uh, I would say to take 
that joy in creating and and to be okay with uh, to be okay with a, a failure um i always enjoy enjoy failing at uh, whether i'm writing something and it's not quite right or i write something and i delete something and i have to start all over again that's for me i think where the magic happens and that's where i get to know myself better every time and i would also say to uh, uh, listen to your uh, 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 listen to your body and and to and to and to trust what it's what it uh, what your what your what your body tells you that's what i would say hi this is ann louise mahoney i am the children's book author and illustrator of julius and macy a very brave night this book is published by two lions and it will be out on april 1st most nights Julius and Macy like to play heroes. Julius pretends he is the defender of the forest, while Macy has a quieter strength. When their snack disappears, they decide to track down the only one who could have taken it, the Night Goblin. Both of them has to be brave in their own way, and they ultimately discover that the real thief isn't anything like they imagined. It's a story that reminds us that we each have courage within us and that kindness can make all the difference when we need to be brave. To learn more about Julius and Macy, please view my website at www.woodlandabbey.com. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 650 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. The theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner. Your support and contributions will directly support and impact the work of the Children's Book Podcast. And always... Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.